Philadelphia, your San Jose, or DC, Los Angeles, Galaxy. Reach Pass. Colorado Rapids. Vancouver Whitecaps. Seattle Sounders. Montreal Impact. USA. York Red Bulls. Pitch Pass. Your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for downloading and listening to another edition of Pitch Pass. Much like the league, we took last week off. An international break, if you will. But we are back. We'll get you set up for the Western Conference Finals a little later on as we bring in Seattle Sounders goalkeeper Stefan Fry to set up the match in Los Angeles on Sunday between the Sounders and Galaxy. But first, let's start looking ahead to 2015. It's always fun, especially for the teams that are out of the playoffs. Maybe not exciting for them, but it is exciting for teams just starting their MLS adventure, and one of them is Orlando City. A lot of excitement, a lot of passion from the Orlando City fans as they get ready for their inaugural season next year, and to get us all set up for the upcoming month of drafts that they will be embarking on, we talk to one of the owners and the president of the franchise. That will be Phil Rollins. Phil, how are you, my friend? Greg, I'm fine. How are you doing? Good. I do have to tell you, though, you are not the first president we've had on. We've had Dave Cobble of uh, San Jose on. So you're, you're second president. That's fine. That's fine. That means I'm ahead of, what, about another 19, right? Exactly. We've got, <laughs> we've got a long list to go. <laughs> uh, Phil, I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like you are living in Orlando for nice and warm weather. Are, are you getting that today? Because here in D.C., we are freezing. <laughs> we're a little, we're a little cooler today. We're around 45 degrees, which for, for Orlando is uh, everybody here thinks it's freezing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to persuade them it's really not. There's a long way to go to freezing point, but uh, it's certainly not a, a Florida postcard day today. No, and I, I would imagine for you, uh, coming from where you you grew up, this is uh, this is a regular day for you. A pretty normal day, and it uh, it just makes all the other days just that much more fun. I know you guys are hosting the Canadian national team. Have they asked for a refund because they came to Florida for for beautiful sunny weather? <laughs> they actually just left us at the weekend, so they left before the weather got a little cooler. So they they enjoyed the sunshine of last week. So uh, no refunds necessary. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, today, obviously, let's 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 start with with your mindset on a day like today uh, or in a time period like this. Um, you had the season, uh, the USL Pro season, to kind of distract you from all the excitement of, of what's to come and not look too far down the road. But now that the season's over, are, are these days hard as we uh, enter the home stretch of your, your run to MLS? You know, nothing of this really I could describe as hard. At the end of the day, we're, 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 you know, we're working in sports and we're working in the game, and it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's a great industry to work in. So I'd never describe any days as hard. They're, uh, they're just fun to be around and a great industry to be working in, a great league to be working in. Um, but, you know, the, the workload is, is, is there before us, and uh, I feel very, very confident that we'll – that will exit the year and go into 15 in great shape. Um, we've done a lot of work. We've got an established organization. Um, we've built up our front office over the course of the last three, four years. So we're in really good shape going into 15, and, and everyone here in the front office is excited about first kick in March. I was going to ask you if this is the hard part, but I would imagine it's more of a checklist of, okay, we've got to get our staff together. That's hard. Check. Okay, now we've got to get this together. Check. All right, now we've got to play the games. Check. They're all kind of hard in their own way. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's a very good way to describe it. I think of it as a checklist. It, I think of it as the things that we have to check off. You know, getting getting commitment to a stadium was one of the big things. So, you know, getting the franchise, obviously, a massive thing. And then you just start to work down the list. It's the season ticket holders. It's the sponsors. Uh, it's putting the team in place. It's just a long list of, of activities that we, that we need to check off that list and get done. And, and uh, you know, touch wood, to this point in time, we're, we're knocking them off one by one and we're doing very well. So I'm, I'm delighted with, with our preparations for next year. So tell me if I'm wrong, is, is the, the number one priority in this time period or the thing that needs to be checked off, is it uh, getting ready for the upcoming drafts, the many drafts we have uh, for MLS? You know, it really is. There's, there's really dual priorities right now. Off the field, um, our main priority, of course, is on season tickets, and uh, that's going very, very well. We're at around 9,000 season tickets already, uh, and we, we aim to cap those at 14,000. We have every reason to believe, with the excitement and the buzz around the city, that we're going to get there, and uh, we'll have to implement that cap. Um, but, of course, then on the field, as you say, we're, we're preparing for the drafts and but really building a team, and Paul McDonough, our GM, and Adrian Heath, our head coach, are, are working fervently at that. And I think, again, feel in great shape. We're very, very prepared. I think people will see a number of announcements over the coming weeks, whether it be in or around the draft, that, that show the strength of the team that we'll put on the field in March. We're recording this on a Tuesday, which happens to be the day of the dispersal draft for the Chivas USA players. You're talking to some random dude doing a podcast. So I'm assuming uh, Orlando City probably, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you guys thinking about being active for the dispersal draft later today? Um, I think we've got the seventh pick in the dispersal yes. draft. So, uh, again, that'll be down to really be down to the other six ahead of us and what they do or don't do as to whether we're active in that, uh, in that draft or not. And I'll, I'll leave that down to Paul and Adrian. But uh, uh, we're really getting prepared for, for the big one, which is the expansion draft yes. in December. So is it a situation with the draft today where you eyeballed maybe a couple of players on Chivas and say to yourselves, if those guys fall to us, we'll think about it. If not, we're, we're just going to move on and concentrate on December 10th? Uh, no, you're exactly right. I mean, that is the way you, you, you do it. You know, with every team, you know that the players that you'd like to attract and bring to, to Orlando are no different with Chivas. There's a few players there that we, that we feel could have quality. Uh, we're looking for experience players that have played in the league and know what it's like to win in the league. And, and uh, you know, there's a few players there at Chivas that, that fit that bill. So we'll see if they fall our way at, 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 you know, pick number seven. I don't want to give you give have you give too much of your strategy away, nor do I think you will for the expansion draft. But there's been a lot of confusion as to who is and who isn't eligible from the other clubs. Uh, without, I guess, going into specifics, are you guys aware of who you can and can't pick from other clubs? Well, you know, we're, we're not actually going to be aware of the exact people that we can pick until uh, two days before the draft. Wow. So that's when, that's when the teams have to actually issue, issue their lists. But I think it's fair to say, you know, we've got a good idea. Um, we've done a lot of homework. We've done a lot of hard work. We've done, I think it's now six or seven mock, dis mock expansion drafts. Um, so we're as, we're as prepared as we could be for who we believe will fall onto those lists and what the order will be. And, of course, having first pick means that we, we kind of dictate the order a little bit. So, uh, yeah, we're ready, and, and uh, I'm sure there'll be one or two surprises, but um, nothing that, uh, that will you know, throw us off track. Okay, so do you – I know about the lists and, and, and when the teams hand them in. Are you in the loop on who the other teams can protect and can't protect? I guess I'm specifically asking about homegrown players and things like that. 
Yes, yeah, we're very much in okay. touch with, with the league, of course, on the rules and, and how it'll all work and who can and can't be protected because, as you said, the actual names on the list don't come out until a few days before. But, you know, what we're looking for, our strategy overall with the expansion draft is to is to bring in experienced players who, who know how to win in the league, that, have, that are good in the locker room. Um, we've got a very young squad right now. Um, that was purposeful. We've, we've brought on a lot of young developmental players, players that we believe have got a great future in the game and a great future in the league. And then, of course, we need to surround them with some experience from the MLS, and that's what we'll look to the expansion draft for. And I'm going to ask you about your, your kind of philosophy and, and how you've brought these young players in, but first, who gets to play the role of NYCFC in your mock drafts? Uh, we've actually had uh, a whole host of people doing that. We've um, we've worked with a number of people inside the industry that we know that uh, that we trust. Uh, we've done it with our coaches. We've split our coaching team up yep. uh, into two and, and had a, an NYCFC and an Orlando City draft. We've put a lot of preparation to it. You know, it's it's it really speaks to the way we run the club. We get we're very very prepared in everything that we do, whether it's on the field or off the field and. The expansion draft is no different to that. It's got to feel. It's kind of fun though, uh, playing the role of like fantasy football guy for uh, in American <laughs> sports, where you're like, ah, you know what? I'm gonna in this draft, NYCFC is gonna do something off the wall crazy, and let's see how we react to that. Yeah, you know, the, the benefit of doing those things is that it really makes you think about all the alternates. Uh, and as you go through, you know, someone's someone's view and opinion of of who should be protected and who should be selected. Is quite different than another person, so it really it helps you to go through those mock drafts and to to think about what we would do in certain circumstances and the kind of players that we want, the pieces that fit into our jigsaw puzzle. So it's been very very worthwhile. I know the guys will do a couple more before um, before December. Now I know you, we talked about your young players and what you guys have done. You've signed a couple of under twenty American internationals. Uh, you've signed a couple of under twenty Portuguese internationals. Um, we've seen that before, uh, having partnerships with with teams in Europe, um, and we've seen players come over. But I feel like you guys are are a little bit more uh, interacting with Benfica than other MLS clubs with their partner clubs in Europe. Uh, what is the thought process behind that, and how did you get those two young Portuguese players over here? Well, you know, we've we've had a relationship with Benfica for um, uh, about around six or seven months now. We announced it in the summertime, and um, uh, we're we're delighted with it. To be honest with you, Benfica is is one I think of the, the exemplary clubs in Europe. Uh, they operate in a very small marketplace, obviously being based in Portugal. It's not a major uh, major European league or major European marketplace. But the club itself is a huge club in Europe. It's probably the biggest club outside of the big five countries. Um, uh, revenues of over $200 million. Uh, you know, they've done a tremendous job for, for a, a, a club in a small country. And regular, of course, you know, uh, champions in their own domestic competitions and, and, and regularly playing in, in Europe. So got a great pedigree. They've also got one of the best recent pedigrees of developing young talent, and that was – what are the things that are attracted to them, uh, to well, us to them? Um, we've worked very closely with them. We've got, I think, a very extensive and, and wide-ranging agreement with them that covers everything from commercial aspects of the business to to development. Um, and one of the things that we did was talk about the young players that they had, which they've got uh, a large number of very, very high-quality young players, um, and which of those players were suited to come to the states and develop their careers here. And with Estrella and, and Rafa. We have two great kids, uh, young, as you said, under under 20 national team players. Um, both got a great future ahead of them. Uh, both, uh, I think, have got great development potential. Um, so it was an agreement that we came to. 
it'll be um, I think it'll be the first of, of several players that you'll see make that transition between the two clubs and, and we're partnering uh, for the long term we've signed a 10-year agreement with them uh, and we're delighted to have that partnership and I think these two young players will be just the first of many that you see. I'm I'm fascinated, or at least I, I'm kind of impressed as to what I've seen so far from Orlando City in every aspect of how you guys have, have launched this team. But now that I see you putting pieces together for the product that we're going to see on the field, uh, it's interesting. I feel like the, the mindset is you can get young players, you can identify young players a lot easier uh, outside of MLS. Uh, you've done that with your homegrown players and going overseas and getting players. You can identify and get designated players by just putting throwing some money at them. Uh, but those MLS veterans, the, the hardened guys who know what it takes, the rigors of the league, uh, those guys can be found in the expansion draft a little easier than the other two ones. Is, is that kind of your thought processes as you were going and putting together this team? Yeah, you know, I think our thought processes around this, well, I think, I mean, I know that our thought processes around it uh, are similar to our thought processes around our off-the-field activities too. You know, it's... For me, it, there isn't one thing that you can do to build a team. There isn't one thing that you can do to build a club. There's no silver bullet in this. You've got to do all of those things to the very best of your abilities. And so, you know, it's I, I, I often um, associate it with plate spinning. You know, you've got to keep a lot of plates in the air. You've got to keep them all spinning at the same time. That's that's your job, whether you're the GM, whether you're the CEO, whether you're the president, whether you're in ticket sales. It's about running multiple things at, at the same time. And, and um, if you do all of those things well, you have a successful football club. And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't, if you let one of them slip, then things start to fall apart and you've got to go back and do the rework. So building a team's no different. We want, we want the best young players. We want the best young talent out of college. We want to meld that with the best that we can find in the open marketplace. And then we want to bring in that experience of people who know how to win and compete in this league. And you put all that together, I think we'll get a very, very good team out of that and a very good squad of players. Uh, so, so that's been our approach really from day one. I saw you tweet a picture out of this of the Citrus Bowl, and I know everybody's excited for the new stadium. Uh, construction's already begun on it, um, but that picture looked pretty good. As far as temporary homes are concerned, you could do a lot worse than that. Oh yeah, you, you really could. It's it's going to be a fabulous home and. Uh, our fans are very excited to go back there. I mean, it's it's a stadium that we've won two championships in and three regular season titles. So it very much feels like home. And, and the city's done a great job. They've put $220 million into a, a brand new Citrus Bowl. So this is nothing like the old Citrus Bowl that was torn down. It's been a complete rebuild. Uh, it's going to be a great temporary home for a year. And, and I know our fans are excited to be back there. So as an outsider uh, of Orlando, but a person who I'm, I'm in Orlando every year, I'm, I'm lamenting the loss of the uh, Disney Pro Soccer Classic this year. But uh, my question is kind of about Disney. How do you walk that line between embracing what uh, that company can bring to the city and thus uh, infuse into the club and then actually setting your own identity? So it's not a situation of, oh, we're going to Orlando, we're going to Disney. Uh, or we're going to Orlando, we'll check out a match and we're going to Disney. How do you, how do you walk the line of, embracing and separating from them that's a really good question you know i think uh, it begins with it begins with our name i mean we we purposely chose the name orlando city uh, and we chose it for, for a reason you know one of the things that we did when we came to the community was we did a lot of feedback and due diligence and, and, and consultation and the one thing that came through from our fans and from people generally was that that Orlando was was craving for an identity. Uh, you know, the people here want an identity, that, and people to know that this is not just 
a vacation location and it's not just about the the, the holiday that goes on here and the, and the great theme parks and attractions that we have that there's really a city here and it's a very dynamic it's a very fast growing it's a very vibrant city you know the average age of orlando is 34 years of age uh which again surprises most people we're one of the fastest growing cities in the country for our size We've got a brand new performing arts center we just opened last week, which, which cost half a billion dollars, and it's one of only 30 in the world. So we've got a really vibrant city, and, and the city needs an identity. So the name of the club is the, is the essence of that. It's, it's what we're about. We're about representing Orlando and Central Florida, not only in the league, but also around the world as well. Um, and then, you know, from there, we've really built a, a great tradition and a great fan support in the four years that we played in the minor leagues. We've got, we've got a great fan base. I believe we'll be one of the, the biggest and loudest and best in the league. And, 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 you know, not only on the field, but off the field as well, we'll, we'll make that ring true. Um, so we've got a great opportunity. I see it as nothing but upside. You know, we've got a city that attracts 60 million visitors a, a year. It's the most visited city in the world. Um, and we've got the biggest game in the world. So blending those two together gives us a great opportunity, you know, whether it's working with Disney, whether it's working with the attractions, whether it's working with the, the people who come here every year on vacation. Uh, but most importantly, we won't forget our core fan base, which is the people that live and work here every day in the community of Central Florida. You can speak for yourself or you can speak for the supporters, but you guys, until maybe Atlanta comes in and whatever happens in Miami, you're on an island a little bit. Uh, we're in D.C. I, I think we're your closest geographic rival, uh, maybe NYCFC coming in together. But who do you or who do you, got, who do you think the supporters are going to look at as maybe a, a, a rival out of the box until some, some stuff happens on the field that plays itself out differently? You know, I think it's. Uh, I think rivalries are one of those things that, that most of the teams in the league have, have figured out kind of grow over time, yeah. and they they come out of instances or specific games or just interactions between fan groups or whatever it may be that that uh, creates them. Um, so I'll, I'll let them I'll let them play out as they as they will over the course of next year. But I think the, the you know the the obvious one because we're coming in at the same time is we're going to be compared to 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 NYCFC. So I think that's a kind of a natural rivalry just because we both enter uh, in the same year. Um, but then the rest of them, I'm sure, will, will grow during the course of the next, the next season or two. Phil, I appreciate the time. We're excited to have some purple in the league and uh, looking forward to getting to Orlando to see a match next season. Well, we're, well, we're looking forward to welcoming all of MLS to, to Orlando, and uh, we, we look forward to having you down here to see a game. It's going to be great fun. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the time. All the best. That is the president and one of the owners of Orlando City, Phil Rollins, you got to be excited if you are a fan of soccer in Florida to have a team back in that state. And as a neutral MLS fan, we welcome them with open arms. But that's for next season. We still got some soccer to play this year. The Western and Eastern Conference Finals are taking place this weekend. The Western Conference Final is Sunday between Los Angeles Galaxy and Seattle Sounders at StubHub Center. The keeper of Seattle Sounders joins us right now on the show. It's Stefan Fry. Stefan, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. I was just watching some videos on you. And you know what? I, I'm not going to start with the hair. We're, we're going to save the hair until we're much better friends, and then we can oh, really boy. dish about the hair. We'll, we'll save that for later. You know where I'm going to start, Stefan? Where? Hashtag Wrinkle Wednesday. Uh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So tell me about Wrinkle Wednesday and how it came about, because I checked that hashtag, and you are the one who's really pushing this to make it a thing. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think I just posted a couple pictures of my dogs. I have two uh, Chinese Sharpays. They're quite wrinkly. And uh, and then uh, 
and got some good feedback from fans and uh yeah people were coming up with some good hashtags and then um so, uh, soon enough they they, they actually started uh, demanding some pictures so then uh, then I came up with that wrinkle Wednesday thing just kind of try to post some pictures on Wednesday of my of my two uh Girls. <laughs> I have found, as a radio guy who needs to get uh, clicks to his website, there are two things that will guarantee you clicks. One is porn, and the other is cute pets and animals. All right, then we'll, we'll, we'll stick with the animals. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, let's let's talk about it. Let's just get into it. Um, not only did you play fantastically in the last match at home versus FC Dallas, but you you blew up Twitter. Speaking of with uh, with your hairdo, so let's let's just let's just walk through that hairdo and how it came about. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, for, for the longest time, I had really short hair. Yes. And, uh, about a year ago or so, a year and a half ago, I just started to to let it grow out a little bit. Even though I have I have two massive wings in the front, um, that's I think that's just part of being a goalkeeper. You know, and most of goalkeepers it's <laughs> such a stressful position. I think you start losing your hair pretty early. But uh, I just started uh, growing it out as much as I could, and then uh, I kind of um, once it got long, too long almost. Um, it kind of you know when you're diving around and whatnot in the wind, it's kind of uh, all over the place. So. Uh, Last game, I decided to kind of put it in a little uh, samurai uh, ponytail <laughs> or whatever you might want to call it, and uh, keep it out, keep it out, and keep it all tucked away, night neatly. And uh, it seemed to have worked out for us, so I think I'm going to keep doing it. Were you taken aback at the response to your samurai ponytail? And no, I've, I've been getting comments about my hair all season, but that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I, you know what, Stefan? You say comments. I'm going to say you've been getting compliments on your hair all season. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you ever, because you see uh, outfield players doing it all the time, why didn't you decide to adopt the strap? I've never seen a keeper use the strap before. You could start a new phenomenon. I, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, uh, I'm just holding on to the last <laughs> bit of hair that I have because uh, I know before, before, uh, before all too soon, uh, that that will be gone, and I'll have to, uh, I'll have to uh, just just shave it all off and be done with it. <laughs> you know, that's a great thought because I did the same thing. As it was thinning, I was like, uh oh, and then I grew it as long as I could grow it, and then it was like, okay, last hurrah, it's last all gone. Hurrah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how is the uh, how's the samurai? Ponytail meshing with your Movember mustache. Um, I, yeah, I got uh, I got the Movember uh, mustache going. I got the playoff beard going. <laughs> I got the samurai ponytail going. I'm all over the shop right now, but you know it's uh, whatever. Um, as long as we keep on winning, I'll be happy. Exactly, and you know you guys have your the first leg of the two legged uh, conference finals this Sunday uh, versus LA Galaxy in Los Angeles. Has that week off for the international break, it, it's not ideal, but how much of a disruption is it in the grand scheme of things? Um, you know, it's been a long season, so uh, we're all very professional here, and, and, and I think it was good to maybe to get, to get a couple of days of rest and just make sure your body's healing up. Uh, I mean, this is new territory for me, being, being so late in the season, still being playing soccer now, and, you know, December just around the corner, and we're, we're in the thick of things, so... Um, the, the body does, does, does start to wear down a bit, a bit more, and uh, it, it's good to get a couple of days off and make sure that you're right, because uh, when trainings do come your way, you want to make sure you work hard and get better. Um, and, and like I said, I think the whole team is, is full of professionals, and uh, we, we, we made sure we could uh, 
use all those days, and then we're ready to go for uh, for LA on Sunday. So you did get days off, and I guess it's a situation that if you did get days off, you've got to be really smart about how you take those days off. Exactly, and that's what I mean with, with having professionals on the team. I think uh, uh, Brad Evans, our captain, even uh, made sure there was an organized practice for guys who wanted to come out and just have a ball, hit a ball, and, and maybe play some small side of games and whatnot, you know. Some guys ended up going maybe to yoga or just go for a jog. Um, we, we, we're, we're, we're in this position that we are, and we've having, having had such a good, uh, successful season because we, we we do look after ourselves and and we are professionals on this team. Seattle kind of came into the league with a lot of hype, and a, a lot of it they they've backed up. Their playoff experience though hasn't backed up all of that hype. Now I know this is your first year on the team, but you coming from a, a club, Toronto FC, with kind of the same kind of vibe as far as as far as excitement level in the city, but never being able to get over that hump. What have you seen this year uh, as as a guy who's been on teams like this that has allowed the club to burst through and kind of make their way this season. Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, there's totally different expectations uh, from one team coming to the next. You know, I, uh, I think it started when when I first came here in January, and when you looked at the off season that the Sounders had, and and people saying that there was a bit of a bit of an overhaul. Um, um, but 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 to be honest, still there was that solid core that that remained, and uh, you know. You, you had those pieces and you just kind of added a couple here here and there and and with that on top of that you know when 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 some of those pieces you're adding are, are seasoned veterans like Chad Marshall um, you're looking at something uh, that that is, uh, is bound to have some potential to to work out really well for you and um, and, and so the, the expectations are just completely different you know having had so many uh, won so many US Open Cups for one having made the playoffs uh, you know an unbelievable support uh, in our stadium and also on the road, um, it's a bit different. But um, you know, we 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 know that we have the quality in, in in our team, and we knew that early on, even in preseason, and we set ourselves some lofty goals. Um, but 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 we've accomplished those so far, and we still have one one remaining that we would like to achieve, and and, and we're right there. Is that one of the big differences between TFC and Seattle? It's it's getting not just veterans, which you you had on TFC, but the right veterans, and not just designated players, but the right designated players. Yeah, it, it's that, and you know, I think I think just uh, having a culture that that, that is, has been established throughout the years of you know ha- having having hardworking players. Uh, everybody doesn't matter whether it's a DP or or a first guy a rookie. Um, believe in what we're trying to do and, and showing up to work every day. Um, and, and, and you know, maybe it's just that comes with a bit of consistency. You know, not having so many players go in and out like it's been the case in Toronto and coaches for that matter. Um, because uh, you know you still had the coaching staff here uh, even after that 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 uh, last off season for the Sounders where where they did end up bringing a couple new players and so, so so the guys that remained knew exactly what was to be expected of of the coaches what they wanted um, so it was very easy for the new guys to to just just kind of uh, follow those those guys that remained the core and 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 fill right in uh, know exactly what's expected of them and uh, become part of the team. How would you assess your season um, up till this point? I know just when you came in the league, it was with a lot of fanfare. It was a lot of, well, well Stefan Fry will be with TFC for a few years, and then he'll go over to Europe, and, and he'll be uh, one of the next of MLS's uh, great keepers that have been exported. Uh, you got injured. You kind of lost a little bit of form. You had this trade to Seattle. didn't start off perfectly, but I feel like now you're one of the rocks of the team. So how would you assess overall uh, your life and your career this past year? 
In the past year, yeah, it's been it's been a really good year for me. You know, with that being said, it's been uh, there's been some struggles. You know, and I think it's it's very difficult when you when you're coming back from an injury and um, you, you know how you used to do certain things and. Uh, they they seem so so easy to do for you in the beginning, and now all of a sudden you're coming back and and you make silly mistakes, and and the moment you make them, you're like, why am I doing this? You know, I know I I, I should know better than this. Uh, you have that experience, so it's a bit more frustrating even on top of that because you are you are aware of how things are supposed to be done. Um, but with that being said, you know, uh, it, it needed to have a couple of growing pains, a couple of mistakes here and there, and and. Uh, and to have that, that coaching coaching staff around you that, that shows you that they believe in you and they're there for you, um, for me to, to kind of get that confidence back, you know. What makes and the so it, it's been it's been a really good year with that, you know, uh, because I I feel like I've I've really started enjoying my football again. I'm really excited to come come to practice every day. Um, obviously, that's easier easier to do when when you're part of a successful team and you're you're winning trophies. But um, I'm really happy and uh, trying to work hard every day, trying to get better with, uh, with our keeper coach, Tommy, and all the other goalkeepers. And uh, still have a long ways to go, but uh, really happy where we're heading. What makes, and we know a lot of soccer players, this is a, I don't want to say it's a common injury, but it, it is more common in soccer than, than in other injuries, and that's, that's the tib or the fib or the tib-fib injury. What makes it so difficult for, for soccer players to come back from? Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for me it was... Um, I mean, I did my I did my fib and uh, and then uh, and then the, the bigger issue for me was more my ankle because I tore all my ankle ligaments and and then uh, I needed to put in some uh, some uh, screws and I was non-bearing weight for about four or five months so I lost all my all my muscle in my left leg um, so it's just it was very frustrating to, to first uh, have to come back and regain that muscle then uh, you you have to. Uh, make sure that your motor skills, you know, that the way you're running, are you are you favoring a side or are you favoring a muscle? You got to make sure everything is very balanced because if it's not balanced, then you're going to end up having injury somewhere else. You know, I think that's one of the things you saw with uh, with Steve Zakuani, yeah. which is so unfortunate because when you look at him um, uh, prior to his big injury, I mean, he was one of looked like he was one of the best uh, best guys in the field uh, in MLS and the future star in the making. So. Uh, very unfortunate to see someone like that who, again, like I said, had that big injury and then uh, and then from that point on, you know, you try to compensate and, and you, it leads to one in, and the next injury and the next injury. And it's, it's very difficult to get back. And and on top of that, then you have the whole mental aspect of it with, uh, with your confidence, you know. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. You guys played L.A. the last game of the regular season. It was a very, very hyped game. Um you know, you play all of your match, your home matches at CenturyLink, so the the big crowds and things like that aren't going to be a, a factor for you guys. But is there anything that you can take from that regular last regular season game and bring into this two legged uh, final less than a month later? Yeah, I think so. You know, if you look at that game, you know we played a bit more defensively because we knew we only needed a tie. Yeah. Um, and, but we also knew that we could catch them on the counter, which we ended up, ended up doing maybe a bit later than we wanted to, but we ended up uh, getting those goals through Marco uh, Papa. And, and so it was a similar, similar um, thing that we saw happening against Dallas, and I think uh, with the rule, the, with the away goal now in the playoffs, um, the same thing uh, I think could potentially happen in the next round. You know, We're going to be playing first in L.A., and uh, like I said before, with our offensive power, uh, our weapons, I, I think we we have a good chance to find the back of the net, you know. And then uh, at home, 
uh, have to try to keep that clean sheet. That's the big one in the playoffs this year. You have to you have to try to keep that clean sheet at home. I want to ask you about Michelle's penalty uh, that he took uh, when you guys were playing in Dallas. Uh, I'm not a Sounders fan. I'm not an FC Dallas fan. I, I was a neutral observer. And as I, as he's taking seven and a half hours to start his run up to uh, take that penalty, I'm thinking to myself, "This sucks. This isn't fair." And, and if if I was a keeper, I would just be yelling at the ref. You, uh, what are your thoughts on on how these people take their penalties sometimes? Yeah, I think. Um... I think it's gotten to the point where, where the referee and all the fans, and they're all so worried about the goalkeeper cheating off his line and whatnot, and nobody's really paying attention to what the shooter's doing. Exactly. In that particular instance, I, before I even set the ball down, I was waiting next to the PK spot, and, and then the referee waved me off and told me to go to the back of the line. and I, I just told him, make sure that he puts the ball on, onto the spot because some guys don't even put the ball onto the spot. And then, lo and behold, he ends up putting the ball right in front of the spot. Um, and the referee didn't do anything about it because he was so worried about me um, not moving off my line. So, uh, uh, you know, I think the advantage is clearly with the, with, with the taker. Clearly. Um, I don't think he needs any more advantages of standing there for 40, 45 seconds waiting for me to tire while I'm, <laughs> while I'm bouncing around on the line and then doing stutter steps and all this and that. Um, like I said, I think the advantage is with him already. Uh, he doesn't need any more uh, to, to, to put the ball in the back of the net. We are getting to the point now where PKs could and maybe will play a part uh, as we get to the end of the season. Do you start looking at PKs more uh, this time of year, or is it one of those things where throughout the season uh, it's it's like a, you look at a sheet and, and look at people's tendencies before every match just in case there's a PK in the match, or is it now now it's 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 a part of the game plan? Uh, no, you you always look at look at the, the takers um, b- before every game and then their tendencies and unfortunately there's a lot of guys that the best guys out there and you look at their tendencies and you see the, the last six PKs and they went different side every every single time you have no idea where they're going to go so um, you look at their tendencies yeah but I think at this point in time uh, now and then maybe in practice we we have to have all the guys take a PK just to make sure we're all ready. Um, because it's not going to be like in a regular season where you maybe have one PK and then you can just take your designated guy who's going to slot the ball home. Now, now you can, like you said, you can you can come to PKs where you need to have uh, uh, numerous guys be able to step up, and so we want to make sure that we're all ready for that. Now, look, you said we all are take taking our PKs. Are you actually taking PKs in practice now? Yes, I am. Nice. Now, do you have to? Well, do- I, I, used, I used to take PKs back in high school until. Until I smashed one off the crossbar and I had to do that to sprint back, uh, the, the shame sprint back. Do you, now, do you have, to, you have to beg to take a PK or is it, hey, look, Stefan, we need you in, in rhythm, so you need to take some PKs in practice? No, I mean, we, all, all of us goalkeepers, when we do our PKs, we, we make sure all, every field player has had one, and then after that, we all take one as well. Because it, might as, it could happen that exactly. we take one as well, so you got to be ready for it. Totally, totally. Uh, and I guess the last thing for you is uh, how awesome is it that you have a birthday on 420? <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> the first time I came to the, to the States and I went to high school and then uh, I had no, no idea what 420 was. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was 420. I was telling my friends that it was my birthday. And they were all like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But I had no idea what was going on. But. So wait a second. They don't have 420 in Europe? 
No, you, no. You've blown my mind. Are you serious? <laughs> well, at least I wasn't aware of it. So. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it seems like a lot of people are, uh, are celebrating my birthday, which is a nice thing. Exactly. And, and, you know, obviously nothing is going to happen while you are playing, but you do live in a state where you could, so maybe post-playing career, you can properly partake in your birthday festivity. <laughs> I'll let, I'll let everybody else do that celebration for me. Yeah. The, ma- the match is Sunday in Los Angeles, leg one of the two-leg Western Conference Finals, Sounders versus Galaxy. Stefan Fry, thank you so much for taking this time. Best of luck this weekend, my friend. Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.